Hello listeners and welcome to the third season of Pebble in the Pond, a podcast that hopes to create a ripple of change for mental health. My name is Sam Stewart and I am the CEO of the Australian and New Zealand Mental Health Association. Each year our association hosts several leading mental health conferences that allow us the chance to meet and connect with the most fascinating and accomplished people in mental health. Listen in as we go one-on-one with the people changing the face of mental health in Australia and New Zealand. From lived experience speakers through to researchers, academics, leading community organisations and influential industry leaders. Our Pebble in the Pond podcast episodes may contain themes or topics of discussion that may be triggering for some listeners. If you feel you need assistance with your mental health at any time, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or visit the Get Help page for additional resources at anzmh.asn.au. School refusal can result in significant functional impairment, chronic mental health issues, social isolation, family conflict, and ultimately a poor trajectory into adulthood. In a bid to combat this issue, the Children's Health Queensland, Day Program North and Day Program South provide integrated mental health and education services to children and young people experiencing significant functional impairment due to mental health issues, which have usually resulted in refusal to engage in school. The Department of Education has also appointed this week's guest, Ben Orford, as head of campus for the Centre's Education and Vocational Program, ensuring young people can access an integrated education and mental health treatment service. Ben Orford has worked in the education and health field for more than 10 years and is passionate about improving education delivery and outcomes for students with chronic health and complex mental health conditions. Stay tuned as Ben highlights how child and youth mental health services, and the Department of Education work together to improve mental health, social, educational, and vocational outcomes for young people in the program. Ben, thank you so much for for joining us today. It's wonderful to have you here on on the podcast. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So to get started, can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you've kind of come to work in the mental health sector? Yeah, look... uh, for me, it's actually been by chance. Um, so in my role working in a school in a hospital setting prior to doing this work, I didn't know they existed. So it was, I guess, one of those chance meetings with the right person who showed me about the work and the work that was evolving. And um, I was lucky enough to to get the chance to do it. And in the last three years that I've been doing it, it's been an amazing, amazing transformation in, in terms of the work that's happening. And yeah, I love working in a really new and dynamic space. And because you've you've just come on in in the role that you're in now as That's right. as as principal of the Department of Education, Mental Health Adolescent Extended Treatment Centre. Yeah, it's a mouthful, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> Is that all on your business card? Yeah, not quite. No, no, it's all it's all good. Yeah, so I've been in the role now for eighteen months, but our centre itself actually only opened six months ago. Yes. Yeah, so. And how are you finding this whole process um, with the program and how it's being rolled out? Oh, look, it's been an incredible uh, process, both personally and professionally. I don't think um, when I started the the job, I had any idea of how how transformative it would be. Um, I guess for me, it's been great to learn a whole range of new skills, but it's um, I think it's really rare in our lives that we get to do something really unique and mm. really new and really special. So it's been an absolute 
privilege and a pleasure. And for those who don't know anything about the program, can yeah. you explain a little bit about what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, of course. I guess at its most simplest form, the easiest way to describe it is I'm the principal of a school inside a hospital. Um, but our, our hospital setting is the Adolescent Extended Treatment Centre is a, a centre for young people ages 12 to 18 with severe and complex mental health conditions. Um, yeah, and so within that we work uh, in a partnership program with the Department of Health and the Department of Education, working side by side to provide treatment and education for kids across Queensland with really complex needs. Wow, it yeah. sounds like an incredible um program it is yeah and i think it's what's what's especially fantastic for this program is it's it's really australian leading and in lots of ways world leading so it's it's a real pleasure to be part of it so it's allowing kids essentially who may not have had access to schooling um to continue their studies while getting treatment for yeah in a nutshell that's exactly right so traditionally you know when you think of young people who've had really complex mental illness they've often become disengaged from education for a whole range of reasons so um, at the centre of the work is making sure that kids can come and receive treatment mm. for the conditions that they have, but either reconnect or provide continuity of education while they're there as well. Yeah. How do kids what, – what are the consistencies that you're seeing between the children who come into the program like that? You know, are they all coming from dysfunctional families or, you know, what are those consistent factors that you're sort of uh, yeah, seeing they, or is I, there none? Yeah, I was going to say the consistency is the inconsistency. Mm. I think I think anyone who understands the complexity of mental health knows that it affects everyone. Yeah, of course we see some, some kids from very complicated and complex backgrounds with histories of, you know, family trauma and inter, intergenerational trauma. Um, but I think what makes the work so special is it's there for everyone and I think anyone who knows – Anything about mental health knows that it affects everyone um, from all walks of life, um, from all parts of the world. And so I think what we see our role is is there to support those who come into our service. And it's even in the initial six months, there's been a really broad cross-section of kids in yeah. Queensland. So those from, you know, coastal and metropolitan areas and those from rural and remote areas too. And I mean, it's been quite a year for lots of reasons. Um, you know, obviously you've been open for, for six months and that's a, a remarkable thing but during that time we've kind of had a global pandemic we have. which I imagine has presented a number of challenges mm. for, for you delivering your program. Yeah. How, how has that impacted the work that you're doing? Ironically actually we we opened, our centre opened the week that Queensland schools went into learning from home mode so wow. it was a fantastic time for us to begin our work. Yeah. But I suppose the silver lining to that was we didn't really know any other operational level. So we've been operating the whole year under COVID, um, I guess, restrictions. But in some ways, because we didn't have an operational level before that, it's just been business as usual. So for us, it's just been about making sure we, you know, we navigate the, the regulations around that. But for us, I think in terms of where we work, we work with some of the best medical professionals, not only mental health professionals in Queensland. So, you know, we've been really lucky and the kids have been really lucky to get everything they need in that space. What have you found to be the biggest challenges um, in this area of, of children and adolescents' mental health? You know, what are the, the biggest things that you're facing right now to be able to help the kids in the way that they need it? Yeah, I think, look, there's, there's probably a few things there, but really it's, it's the complexity of their needs at times can be really, really challenging. Um, so at the Adolescent Extended Treatment Centre, we've got more than 60 staff working around a group of close to 25 kids. So they have all the help there they need, but sometimes it's knowing in the time that we have the students, the critical bits of the work to do. 
Um, and as we said, some of the students have really complicated needs, so we can't fix everything all at once. Mm. And from an education point of view, it's it's knowing, you know, when's the right time to to put education at the front of the work, or when's it time to take the the foot off the pedal, so to speak, and um, let their mental health needs take you know front seat as well. So. I think with every student, it's it's a fairly nuanced approach, but it's dealing with the complexities that the kids how, have. Yeah, how do you do that with you know? <laughs> 20, there's 25 different individuals that yeah, you're, you're look, trying I, to work with. And yeah, so look, I think it's it's about making sure that we work um, with each student individually. So from us, I guess it's getting a really clear understanding of who they are, what their goals are, what their aspirations are, what their interests might be. And then also understanding what the impact of their mental health condition might be on in terms of their learning. And then I guess it's about working with a really um, broad multidisciplinary team of health professionals to put a package around them that supports not only their health, but their education as well. Um, and then once you've got that real clear understanding of who these kids are and what they want and making sure that they're driving their own recovery, um, we're, here to, we're, we're there then to support them with that. Do you think that's the biggest thing in, you know, not just children, but in people's mental health is they have to drive their own recovery to find the, the things that suit them the best and that's going to give the, them the best long-term outcome? Yeah, I, th- I think so, you know, and I guess I'm, I'm really mindful. I'm an educational um, background. So, look, my expertise isn't in mental health. My expertise is in education. But what I see around recovery is that young people are the experts in their own journey. They know what they want. They know what works for them. And so I think it would be naive of us to – to be the experts in their own care, we're there to partner with them, we're there to partner with their families um, to make sure they get where they want. I mm. think what we see ourselves as is, yeah, agents of hope in their life and, and we're there to do a piece of work with them while they're with us to get them where they want to be. And do you work with um, the, the families and the caregivers of those children as well? Because I imagine it has to be that real holistic approach to the children's life and, and you know, being so young, yeah. you need to work with the family. Yeah, as much as possible. We certainly want the families to be part of the journey. Um, and like I said, we've got a, a team that works around the young person, you know, of, um, a range of different healthcare professionals, education being one of them. But the families are central to all of that, you know, um, any, any young person needs their family there to support them with what they're going through, whether it's the treatment or the education side of things. So, yeah, families are critical to that process. And so it, with the, the next sort of 12 months, uh, I mean, has things changed now that COVID restrictions have eased a little bit? In yeah, it certainly means we don't have to wear masks anymore in our building, which is great. Um, no, look, for us, it hasn't made too many differences to the way that we operate. Um, I think the focus of our work and, and for those who know anything about our program, it's been a significant investment. Um, so it's really a gold star or a gold service. Um, so I think what we're trying to do over the next year is, I guess, share our learning and share our knowledge with the communities across Queensland where our kids come from, mm. um, you know, to build capability beyond the walls of where we work to ensure that these kids are getting the support when they go home, that their communities, their schools, their families receive ongoing um yeah, support and education in how best to manage them when they return home. How do you – well, how do you then – because I imagine, you know, you have 25 kids in your care. Um, I imagine there are a lot of other kids who would need that help as well. How do you try and manage that so, you know, obviously you're not overloading the people working yeah. in the program and not overloading the children as well That's who are, right. you know, trying to get well in their space as yeah. well? So I guess in terms of the, the referral process into the Adolescent Extended Treatment Centre, 
you know, it's 25 at max at one time. But for, for one young person, that might be, they might be there for four weeks. For others, it might be four months. For others, it, it may be a little bit longer as well. So I think it's about always working, you know, with each young person to know when the time's right to come and then the time's right to leave as well. Mm. And that really revolves around their goals, what they're trying to achieve and when they feel like they're ready to go home and practice the things that they've learned. Um, so, yeah, when, when young kids are coming in and families are coming in, it's about making sure that they're ready to come in and focus on recovery. Mm. We don't want anyone to be there beyond their will um, because I think first and foremost they have to be willing to engage in um, the process, whether it's to do with school or their health. What's, I mean, obviously it would be an incredibly um, rewarding area to be working in. What's your favourite thing to, to be doing what you're doing? Yeah, I think it's feeling like we're instilling hope these kids lives I think when they come to a service like ours which is a you know a top tier service where often they've had failures along the system um, it's knowing that this is a chance for them to get the things that they want from their life so we're there to do a piece of work with them that gets them on the path that they want to be on um, yeah and that's a really hopeful piece of work I think it would be easy to um, feel discouraged at times by where they're at in their lives but I'm a glass half full sort of person and I think it, it's, it helps to have that um, lens over the work we do because you want to make sure that you tell these kids that they can achieve the things that they want and make sure that they believe it too. And more broadly, you know, obviously your your background is education, as you mentioned, and do you think mental health literacy is something that needs to be put more broadly amongst the schooling systems? Do you Absolutely. think we need to be teaching that from kinder, kindy and, yep. you know, teaching kids yeah. how to articulate their feelings more? Absolutely, yeah. I think it'll, awareness across the board, um, yeah, from a young age is absolutely imperative. I think if we build that knowledge and we build that acceptance that it's okay to talk about this stuff and it's, it's okay to be aware of it, um, not just with the kids but the families as well. Mm. You know, schools and education are only a reflection of the communities that they work in and, Yes, I think that sort of literacy and uh, around mental health is imperative. Absolutely. And how, how do you think that happens? <laughs> how, do, how do we do that, Ben? Yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> I wish I could do it all. If I had my magic wand, I could probably give you some answers. But look, it's one step at a time. I think mm. the more we talk about it, the more we share, um, the more people share their own stories, I think is really important because when you see the statistics around mental health, it affects a lot of people, you know, as, as many as one in four. Mm. Um, and as we said earlier, it's it's people from all walks of life. This isn't unique to anyone. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's destigmatizing it and it's it's making it okay and it's about um, being comfortable with that space and, and making it okay for kids to be comfortable in that space. And I think, like, from my experience of, of dealing with my own depression and postnatal depression, I think it's understanding how to have those conversations with one another because yeah, I think we are breaking that you know people are able to get up and start speaking about their own experiences but to then actually have conversations and sometimes very uncomfortable conversations and I imagine you would have to do that yep. almost every day yeah. um, with the people that you're dealing with and the children that you're trying to help and support um, how do we give people the language to have those uncomfortable conversation yeah, that's a really that's a really tough question I think it's 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 sometimes not even about giving them the language to to know what to say it's about giving them the space to to say it and to feel safe in that space to say it to to make them feel supported and heard and validated with what they're saying and know that they're not alone that there's people out there there's support out there and there's services out there um that are there to help them 
um, with their journey and what they're trying to work through. Yeah, it's as much as anything, it's about giving them the space and the time to, mm. to have those conversations, yeah. Could you have imagined that there would be such an amazing facility to help kids in the, at this point? No, and I think the more that we talk about it because it's still such new work and the more that we open the doors of the centre to show people the work that we do there, I think the more positive feedback that we get about how lucky we are in Queensland to have such an amazing service. It's certainly not the end of the work, but it's a great mm. start. And, um, yeah, like I said, personally and professionally, it's brilliant to be part of this new work because I think it's the tip of the iceberg in terms of what we're doing and it's great that Queensland's leading the way in that space. How do you feel like it's changed you? Um, oh, wow, it's changed me in lots of different ways. I guess on a professional level, it's, it's making me understand education from a whole new perspective. Um, it's making me understand the really... Um, intricate needs of each of the students that we have that come in. But it, I guess we've talked more broadly about how we support kids in schools. I think it's refocused me to, to make sure we do that. Well, we've got such a beautiful service for that small number of kids that come in. Um, it means as well that we've got to make sure that we um, sp spread the knowledge and the skills that we have and the mm. things that we learn in a service like that um, to grow services across the state to better support those kids in communities that don't have such a beautiful service as well. Yeah, because that's, I mean, as you mentioned, there's, you know, one in four chance really that people are going to be that's suffering right. from some sort of mental health um, issue and yeah. to be able to give that education to as many people as possible. That's right. Yeah, that, that's the bigger piece of work for sure. Invaluable. Um, yeah. And how do you, because obviously I imagine the work that you're doing can be tough <laughs> um, from time to time so how do you make sure that you're taking care of yourself because I think so often the person supporting people suffering from mental health issues um, can be forgotten yeah in that that's, that's right I think as much as anything it's being aware of things like vicarious trauma and the um, you know sometimes in education um, you know we don't get the training around how to support yourself in terms mm. of trauma you know I know our clinical uh, colleagues in the building, you know, they get supervision and, and um, they get sort of clinical responses to the work and, and us in education don't in that space. But I think it's about being aware of the things that we're hearing and the things that we see. Um, and so for me, it's been about getting an awareness of what that looks like to support the teachers there and then trying to model it to the teachers that it's about having a healthy lifestyle of balance. Um, and then again, knowing the times when you f if you're struggling with the things that you hear and you see giving the teachers the place to share it and, and connecting them with the people to talk to about it as well. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's an incredibly um, difficult uh, area to be working in children's mental health, but particularly ones with complex um, mental health needs. How uh, Are you finding that you're able – I mean, you mentioned that, you know, you have to sort of tailor it to each individual child and depending on what they're needing, whether that's, you know, being – um, pushed in terms of um, their education or, you know, obviously taking that as a backseat and making sure that their mental health needs are, are being addressed straight up. Mm -hmm. How do you navigate that? Is that something that just the doctors are, are working with? or the? No, I think it's, like I said, it's about putting the, the needs of the student or the young person first. So I think it's about what they want to come there and do. So for some of the, the young people that have come to the centre, their primary goals are around re-engaging uh, re with education. So they want to work on their um, mental health so that they can go to university or they can go out to work. So the biggest piece of work that they come is about maintaining their education. Um, so in that space, it's about trying to create as much space in their day to do the education that they want. 
um, whilst, you know, working on their mental health on the side, whereas for others, um, they're in a space where they need to do more intensive um, therapy work and it's about creating space in their day where education is still there um, and we're still there supporting their education needs but making sure that they're there getting what they want um, yeah, at the right time. How would you like to see this um, sort of program expanded? How would you like to yeah. broaden it and make it more, even more impactful, which is, you know, ridiculous because what you're doing is incredible work anyway. <laughs> no, no, but, but we always want to make sure. Look, I guess, um, you know, we talk often in the centre, ultimately our, our goal would be not to have a service like ours. You know, we would love another 10 services like this across mm. Queensland. I think as we see our work unfolding, you know, when we've got this multidisciplinary team around a young person, you know, a range of different health professionals and educators working together, I think what I would really love to see is that these services are on the ground in the schools in which these kids are coming from. Mm. So that we've got the people in these schools, um, in the communities there to do the work um, at the early stage before we ever need to have a service like ours there. So for me, my biggest wish is that we've got services on the ground in the communities working with the kids and their families. Is that sort of the first line of defence? Yeah, really? absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, that would be my, my ideal scenario. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's incredible. Can you ima ever imagine going back to where you were in your old, <laughs> old job? No, no. Like I said, it was purely a chance meeting that led me down this path and now that I'm on it, I don't know where it ends for me mm. because the more that I do the work in this space, the more I want to learn and the more I want to get better at what I do and the more... I guess, opportunities I see for the kids and the communities. Um, yeah, and the, the more things that I want to do in this space. So I don't know where this work ends for me at the moment. <laughs> and it's, it is just the beginning in lots of ways. Yeah, it's remarkable. Yeah. It's just absolutely wonderful, the work that you're Thank doing, you. Ben. Congratulations and all the very, very best for 2021. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much. Is there someone working in mental health who you'd like to be featured on the podcast? Are there more questions you want the answers to? Let us know what you want to hear. Get in touch with us by emailing any podcast suggestions to membership at anzmh.asn.au and be sure to stay up to date on our socials at ANZMHA on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you very much for listening and we look forward to sharing our next conversation.